Thanks for joining us for the latest episode in SIFMA's DEI podcast series. I'm Cheryl Crispin, Executive Vice President and Head of DEI at SIFMA. Today I'm speaking with John Taft, Vice Chair of Baird, who serves on SIFMA's Board of Directors and also was SIFMA's Chair of our Board in 2011. John also currently serves on our Board Diversity Committee. We'll talk about the firm's commitment to diversity and inclusion, efforts to recruit and retain diverse colleagues in the financial services industry, and some of John's personal commitment to diversity. So thank you so much and welcome, John. My pleasure, Cheryl. Before we dive into our conversation, I wanted to start with maybe a little bit of your career path, as well as what sparked your passion in advancing DEI at Baird. Great. Well, career path, 40 plus years in financial services. I've, I think I've done just about everything you can do. Investment banking, asset management, wealth management, a little bit of uh, private equity, and um, uh, it's been a fabulous career for me. SIFMA's been a big part of that. The advocacy the uh, SIFMA organization provides for our industry has been incredibly um, important to me and as it is to all, all the firms I've worked with. Um, I didn't expect to go into finance. I was an aspiring journalist and worked as a print journalist for six years. I also uh, spent a couple in City Hall. I used to joke I was the only financial services firm uh, that had worked as an aide to uh, a mayor. I worked for the mayor of St. Paul. Uh, but there were many things that sparked my passion for uh, diversity and inclusion. The most important, though, without, without question, is the fact that I have two gay daughters. And my oldest, uh, Mary Allison, came out in the 1990s. At the time, I was president of her school, uh, and the school was headed by a headmaster who was committed, early advocate for uh, what he called doing diversity well. Uh, and then my stepdaughter, Gabby, came out in less than tolerant environment at her school. And my daughter's experiences helped me develop an emotional connection to the challenges of being different, and I learned just how powerful and impactful being an ally can be. That led to many years uh, as an LGBTQ advocate. I was named uh, uh, Executive of the Year by the National uh, Chamber of Commerce, LGBTQ Cha Chamber of Commerce, and I also spearheaded a successful campaign in Minnesota to, to um, legalize same-sex marriage. I've served on the boards of foundations and not-for-profits that have been grappling in one way or another with race-based disparities. And at Baird, I now chair Special Task Force, uh, which is committed to, to um, taking our inclusion and diversity efforts to a new level. And my work in that has improved my understanding of and sensitivity to issues of history and uh, race in America. Well, John, that personal story uh, really is, I think, important, and, and folks can, um, I think, embrace the fact that a personal situation can be brought into also a work situation and vice versa. So uh, thank you for sharing that. Now, Cheryl, if I could jump in, as you know I am want to do, I mean, one of the things that, that, uh, that journeys you go through on your own personal diversity journey is you can connect with the importance of diversity and inclusion at an intellectual level. A lot of us do. The important thing is to see if you can develop an emotional connection 
to issues of diversity and inclusion and having family members or loved ones who are directly confronting and living out those challenges is one way to get there. But I think being a committed advocate personally for issues of diversity and inclusion requires an emotional connection. That's, that's great insight, and I completely agree. Um, and that's part of the overall education, right, is to, to folks to, to understand and be able to enter this journey from multiple different uh, vantage points. So that's a good segue, John. As an industry, we talk about our DNI um, efforts and our commitment to improving diversity within our firms, you know, um, but how do we really do that, whether it's through recruitment strategies or striving for more diversity in senior leadership? I mean, how would you, first of all, just even define diversity within um, financial services? And specifically, what does it mean to have an inclusive environment and culture, which is so important to retaining and, and matriculating diverse talent through the organization? What are some of the things you're doing at Baird? Okay, need to unpack that question. <laughs> but let's say uh, de defining diversity uh, is really, diversity is different, difference. It's all about difference. It can be many different types of difference. Inclusion is having everybody <laughs> of all different, you know, types of people feel engaged and committed to the mission of the organization. So everybody feels, uh, feels um, like the organization belongs to them and they have a personal stake in its outcome. Um, the most, I, I think the most important lesson when it comes to organizational commitment and effectiveness um, in the diversity and inclusion arena is consistent, committed, execution over long periods of time. We are talking about uh, systemic challenges that weren't created overnight and they won't be addressed overnight either. And it requires uh, organizational commitment at all levels and across many different types of initiatives. There's no one silver bullet for successfully addressing um, uh, diversity and inclusion efforts. Now, at Baird, we've been at this for decades. And uh, uh, if, if you bracketed our efforts into different categories, they would be around inclusion, i.e., making sure the employees who are at the firm, by the way, we call them associates at Baird, the associates at the firm feel fully engaged in everything the firm's doing. That's inclusion. And that we don't have, it's no good to recruit to a firm if people go out the back door because they don't feel like the working environment uh, works for them. So inclusion is one bucket. Representation, which is getting numbers up. In other words, having the firm be a place for, where no matter who you are, you walk in the door and you can see people who look and think like you. <laughs> that's, that's what representation is all about. And then lastly, you know, there, there's just uh, things you have to put into place to uh, uh, create an organization that uh, it has diversity and inclusion woven into every single aspect of its, of its uh, 
uh, business undertakings. And, and that's, that's the hardest part, is not to have uh, diversity and inclusion uh, assigned to a head of diversity and inclusion that everybody points to and says that's their problem, but actually to embed it in the operations of the business. And I can walk through that if, if you like the, some of the things we've done at Baird or, or take this wherever you'd like, Cheryl. Actually, John, that you, you read my mind. I was going to say, um, why don't we go through some of the specifics um, for our listeners that you all are doing at Baird so that they have some learning tools as well? That would be terrific. Well, great. Let's, let's go to the buckets then. So let's say inclusion. You know, we established in 2009 associate resource groups, and these were to promote associate engagement and retention um, Spectrum, which is LGBTQ, Ascend, which is women, Prison, Multicultural, uh, Pulse, Next Generation, Associates, and Patriot, Veterans. They're all focused on uh, making diverse segments of our population feel engaged and included at Baird. And then we established Baird Women Advisors Group in 2008, and that's networking and best practices sharing among women advisors to help them feel uh, and, uh, like they are part of the future of the firm. So those are a couple of things we've done in the inclusion area. Uh, representation, internship. That is right now an incredible driver of new talent into the firm. It's grown substantially at Baird. We had 20 interns in 2005. We have 280 this year. 30% are ethnically diverse. 46% are women in 2023. We've got you know, partnerships with dozens of organizations who source those interns, all in Milwaukee, for example, where our firm is headquartered for college students, and Cristo Rey schools across the country for high school students. And this year, this is a key metric, incredibly proud of this and excited, 51% of the graduating interns from the class of 2022 are joining Baird full-time in, in roles that, uh, that they're suited for. So that's one thing. We also have a very innovative program. It's gotten lots of press in our private wealth management area. One of the themes about recruiting and diversity in, in, uh, and, uh, and building representation is if you're looking for diverse talent, you have to go earlier, i.e. you can't just wait for college seniors or graduate schools, uh, you know, master's degree holders. You have to go earlier into high school and you have to provide a longer runway for them to get up to speed in our industry, earlier and longer. So that's the theme behind something we call a private wealth management foundations program, which we launched in 2012. And it's designed to make it possible for younger and more culturally diverse recruits to come into wealth management. I know my stepdaughter was one of those, uh, lesbian, French-speaking, uh, uh, Montreal <laughs> transplant to the United States who majored in sustainability at George Washington University. Not exactly the top of the list uh, when it comes to someone who would go into wealth management, but today she is uh, in her second year of being a full financial advisor. So this program basically adds a couple of years to the normal advisor training program during which the, the uh, foundation program associates are rotated 360 degrees and are exposed to all the different functions, you know, um, marketing, research, supervision of wealth management, and then given a chance to try out being a part of teams in the field. 
And in 2022, 83% of these foundation program associates were women or ethnically diverse. So it's working when it comes to bringing in uh, uh, diverse talent. And then we've got all manner of partnerships with university of colleges, as many of our peer firms do. The largest of those is probably with the Wisconsin School of Business, where we've had a partnership since 2014. We now endow a professorship in finance, and we uh, have 10 four-year scholarships uh, for students from underrepresented populations. They also get a summer internship with Baird, a relationship with a Baird mentor, a housing assistance when they come to do their internship, and we sponsor them to sit for the uh, Securities Industry Essential Entrance Exam. So that's an example of uh, something we're doing to increase representation. Right after George Floyd was killed, however, even with all these things going on, we felt we needed to step back as a firm and look at are we doing enough? Is there more we need to do to take our long-standing diversity and inclusion efforts to a new level and so we formed a special task force. I mentioned I co-chair that at Baird and, and looked at all of that. And we had a uh, retreat of our executive committee and came up with a series of top-down, firm-wide initiatives that we said has the full firepower support of the executive committee and our CEO behind it. Um, and, and those included things like embedding cultural awareness into our annual firm-wide required training. We established a reverse mentoring program called the Bridge Builders Program, which is a six-month uh, interaction between executive committee members and mentors of racial or ethnic minorities. We held our first multicultural community conference, 350 associates, most of them diverse, uh, in Nashville, in 2021 and we're doing that again in Atlanta in 2023. This is now part of the biannual cadence of events at Baird. We created an, a, a summer, uh, our, uh, an internship program for women into our global investment banking business and then one of the most important things we did was we recognized that hiring of diverse associates was a very different undertaking across each of our five businesses. Different in asset management from venture capital and private equity, different in asset management than from, for example, public finance and fixed income, and certainly different in wealth management. So we established advisory and implementation councils in each of those businesses, and they are designing and implementing specific strategies to enhance the recruiting, interviewing, and hiring of diverse associates. So as I said earlier, this has been a long-term effort and it's occurring across multiple initiatives at all levels of the firm. Well, John, that's an impressive list of initiatives. Um, really good stuff, and I and I think some uh, excellent examples of where our listeners can uh, learn from what you're doing, and and ideally maybe even take some of that and implement within their firms. Before we move on to our next and sort of last topic, you touched on a lot of work that the firm's doing with regard to. Uh, internships and reaching out to students and making sure we capture them as uh, as they're coming up into in their education. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that SIFMA, in partnership with our members, your firm and others, <clears throat> has what's what we call SIFMA Invest, 
which is aimed at educating college-age students and, and seniors in high school on the capital markets generally. We believe that maybe a, a diverse group of individuals might not understand or know all the different opportunities that are available to them in the capital markets. And so we have education on the capital markets, and then we partner with our member firms to provide internships and entry-level position. So for any of our listeners who are interested in that, uh, please feel free to go to sifma.org and, and SIFMA Invest for more information. Um, I, I figured I'd be opportunistic there, uh, John, and, and make sure our, our listeners were aware of that. So maybe just turning a little bit now to a topic that <clears throat> I think is important for us to talk about. A common reality is that we have some of our industry leaders who really do want to put DEI as a top priority. Um, and they want it to be something that they're involved in and driving, but perhaps they maybe feel as though they're either unqualified or uncomfortable even discussing the topic or just don't even know where to start. Um, How, John, can we maybe provide some tools to these individuals in leadership position to empower them to utilize either research or data or internal resources to help get them involved and spark change? Well, I've, my experience is that if you put your hand in the, in the air and say you're interested in being involved, there, there are lots of different ways that our firms and financial services will, will reach out and, and uh, engage you and offer you opportunities to be involved. But I think it's important to acknowledge that it can be scary and uncomfortable, strange, uh, if you will, for many people. And uh, uh, that's, a, that's a true barrier. I, I know that one way, it's easier said than done, to get past that is to start looking for, intentionally searching for ways to interact professionally and personally with people who are different from ourselves and encourage others to do that, but start with yourself. And I, I would, for example, and that can, that can happen inside the work environment. It can happen uh, on a personal level. It can happen, you know, through community service and not-for-profits. I know I just finished an eight-year stint on the board of the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts. Now, to say that I look at the world differently than the people on the board of that foundation is an understatement. I did it specifically to put myself in contact with people who look at the world differently from me. And that's where it starts. Diversity means difference. And um, doing diversity well means ultimately moving along a continuum from recognizing difference to accepting it, to embracing it, to celebrating it and ultimately to leveraging it because let's let's face it ultimately that's what our businesses are doing we want to leverage a more diverse organization that reflects our clients in an increasingly diverse world and if you if you put people together who have different points of view it leads to better client outcomes and it leads to higher performance so um, that's what the diversity journey is all about. I said earlier, I think it's easy to 
uh, intellectualize the benefits of diversity. It's harder to find an emotional connection to it. But an emotional connection is critical when it comes to doing the things necessary to really make a difference. Um, I think, and I'm just going to end with this, that one of the ways people who look like me, i.e. members of the mainstream culture, white male, born to privilege, middle-aged, one of the things you can contribute to inclusion diversity is to think of yourself as an ally to your colleagues. What can you do, given who you are, to help people who aren't like you? That's allyship. And we had a speaker at our multicultural conference two years ago, Emmanuel Acho. He's famous for the book Uncomfortable Com Conversations with a Black Man. He's a former NFL player and author. And he told us all about the importance of using privilege for the benefit of those who don't have it. That's allyship. And that, for many people, is the best door to go through to enter the world of committed uh, engagement with diversity and inclusion. Well, John, that is a perfect way to end, and uh, thank you for that insight. Um, it was such a pleasure to speak with you today, and I am so happy that you were able to share the great initiatives of your firm and also your personal story and your personal journey. Uh, thank you for our listeners for tuning in. If you're interested in more information with regard to SIFMA's diversity initiatives, please visit SIFMA.org backslash diversity, and we'll look forward to you joining us at a future podcast. Thank you, and thank you, John. My pleasure.